0: This is a Founding Media Podcast. Welcome to the Packing Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Brabe. This week, we're talking about all things blogging, social media, and marketing with local Austin influencers Rachel Holton of Austin Foodstagram, and Chelsea Bancroft of One Chelevin Adventure. The two of them shared best practices that food brands can use to build an authentic presence and fan base. They have some great advice and fun stories to share, so I'll let them tell you more. All right, listeners, welcome to another episode of Packing Taste. I'm your host, Axel Brave. And today we have two lovely bloggers from Austin, Texas. We have Chelsea Bancroft, who runs One Chelivan Adventure. She is an Austin blogger, very successful. And we also have Rachel Holton. Am I pronouncing that correctly?
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> is that
0: good? Holton, Aus- yep. Holton, <laughs> She is, she runs Austin Foodstagram, or Austin Foodstagram, yes.
1: Yeah, you said that right, too. That (laughs) That one's hard. I'm like doubting myself.
0: Yeah, Foodstagram, Foodstagram. Okay, (laughs) Um, and she's a food blogger. Also very, very successful. And we're having them on the show today to obviously help me, because I'm always looking for help, but to talk a little bit about... um, having a good social media presence, what it takes, and how that's looking like for the food sector. So, my first question for you ladies is, (laughs) explain to me what a blogger is like I don't know what Instagram is. Hmm. So, whoever whoever wants (laughs) to take the lead.
2: (laughs) So, a blogger is different than, like, not having an Instagram. So, blogging, like, usually entails having a website, um, which we both do. Uh, so you kind of, you know, I, I started as travel and so I wrote about places that I was traveling to and it kind of, I mean, I use mine and I know she does as well for, you know, helping people out. So if someone wants to see where to go on a trip, they can look at my website. If they want some of the best recommendations in Austin for restaurants, they go to her. So (laughs) that's kind of like how it is. And then an, an Instagram is an extension of the blog. So it's kind of yeah, they go hand in hand.
1: Okay. Yeah, I feel like the term blogger's been around a lot longer. Yeah. Like People have blogged for years and years, and then social media has kind of amplified, you know, what a blogger is and has brought that to the forefront and made that kind of more of a career for people and a monetization channel. But mm-hmm. I would say, like, blogging's been around forever, and it's more of, you know, the writing and the where you're actually, like, thoughtfully, you know, sharing info. And I think Instagram's just taken off in this whole new way. But, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think when, you're right, you, you said it very well, blogging has been around for a while. And when I think of blogging, I would think of like typing in a website and reading a long 10-page article about whatever travel or food. But Instagram has kind of changed that because our attention spans are right. so small now and we need a quick dosages of, of information, right? Cool. Um, so when, when and how did y'all start blogging? Or Can I call it blogging? Just so I don't get confused. Okay. So
1: I started mine in May of 2014 and started it through Instagram. So I wouldn't even have called it blogging probably at that time, but I was just Instagramming where I was eating and I was one of the first food influencers um, to kind of start at that time. There weren't really these dedicated accounts for food and fashion and travel. Like Instagram was still, people are still figuring Instagram out if they wanted to even use that as a channel. Um, I remember a lot of bloggers at the time like "Eh, I don't want to take my blog over to Instagram like I don't think I need it and so it's funny to see how far we've come now but um, at that time I was just like well I love sharing food I didn't think anything of it I wasn't necessarily even trying to grow an audience, but I was spending a lot of time on the account sharing images every day and then finding other people that were eating at these restaurants and then they started following me. And kind of from there, it was fun. It was like a game almost, because people were like so excited about what I was sharing and it encouraged me to do more of that and just kind of build this following. So yeah, that's how I started.
2: (laughs) I started mine, um, I already had a website because I had to do it something in class, and I after I graduated, I worked for a year, and then I decided to move to Sydney. So I lived in Sydney for a year, and I kind of redid my blog to keep up with my friends and family back home. I didn't, I didn't even really like think of it as a thing that I wanted to do, and then I started sharing, and then kind of like read about it because I don't do anything half assed So I was like, you can blog, um, and then it started to kind of kick off, and then I actually, you know dedicated myself to like learn and actually do it and here we are today but i never set out to be a blogger i think it kind of just accidentally fell into it and it turned out great yeah
0: the the blogging life chooses you guys right, right. The, and that was that was 2015 that you started
2: that would have been 2016
1: 2016
0: okay and you, yours was 2014. 2014,
1: yeah, May of 2014.
0: So that's just when Instagram was becoming cooler than Facebook, right?
1: Yeah, I would say and even at that point, it wasn't, it wasn't cooler yeah. than Facebook at really. all. I mean, people are still skeptical of the platform. They were like, how can a photo sharing platform that's so simple be, you know, the next big thing? Why would people want to, you know, get on here? And people weren't really sharing as much back then. So, yeah, yeah it was just kind of starting to take off, mm-hmm. but not yet.
0: <laughs> and did, did y'all... Always love like sharing stories, like sharing what you're seeing with your own eyes with friends, family, people around you because like i I was telling you the your friend I met earlier, she was telling me how she's an introvert and she doesn't like being around big crowds. I'm like you have three hundred thousand followers. What do you? <laughs>
1: So yeah. Is
0: that, is that like, do you guys have that? It seems
1: kind of crazy. I feel like a lot of influencers that I meet are introverts in some way. And I grew up, I was super shy growing up in high school, even through all of that, like super shy. In college, I kind of felt like I came out of my shell a little bit more. But um, yeah, I mean, I think social media is like a very safe place and channel where people, even though you are sharing a lot with the world, you can still feel like, you know, you're kind of protected by this like barrier wall almost in a way. And I think that's how a lot of introverts actually ended up spending a lot of time in building and cultivating audiences. Um, and yeah, it's interesting to see like how people kind of use that Fame now because I think even for myself, like there's days where I feel uncomfortable going out and like being recognized, and it's kind of just <laughs> this weird feeling. Cause you're like, oh, like how do you know me? Like I called my car dealer the other day, and the guy looked at my name and he's like, you run that Instagram account? And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> we're just on the phone. I'm like, how do you know me?
0: What restaurant should I go eat to? Can you? <laughs> yeah, <remember? laughs> but
1: it's also cool and like validating in a certain way. That's cool. So. And did yeah.
0: you did you like sharing stories? Because you said when you moved to Sydney, mm-hmm. that's when you started sharing yeah. that so
2: I've always done like photography mm-hmm. um, so that was my major for a little bit in college and I did it in high school so really I enjoy taking travel photos mm-hmm. and then I've been I'm a decent writer like I was in high school and all that it's not something I totally love writing um, but the photography part I do and I do like sharing travels mm-hmm. um, so I think yeah, yeah yeah Definitely. long story short yes
0: um and do you do you think there's a, a difference between sharing a story, so like um something that actually happened, like oh, I rode my bike from Houston to Austin versus storytelling where you add more flair to it. Does that does that make sense? Storytelling versus sharing a story? Because I think when I think of storytelling when me, whenever I tell a story to a friend or a family, I, it's some um, dramatized to the max. Everything is so passionate <laughs> versus just like, "Oh, this is what I had for lunch today."
1: Yeah, there's certainly an art to it. I mean, I look at a lot of influencers' posts and in stories regularly, and there's some that really hook me. Like, a lot of influencers lately have been doing that thing when they travel, where they'll like get on the plane and they're like, guess where I'm going? And then, you know, 12 hours later, they share that. And it's almost smart in a way, because they are, they're like creating this like preemptive hook, just like television shows and other networks do. They want you to come back for that next season or that next episode. So I think there is an art to that, and I think a lot of influencers are kind of catching on and, like, ways that they can get their audience to revisit their page and get their viewership up overall.
0: Mm-hmm. And you—so your blog, Chelsea, is more of a lifestyle travel blog. Mm-hmm. Is that—you've always been into that? You've always wanted to travel since you were a little girl? Or was it, yeah. like, I graduate college, I want to go see the world?
2: Um, no, I've always loved travel. Um, I always, always wanted to study abroad um, in college, and it just never— it just never happened. I never could, you know, I had an apartment or like I had to take this class after I got, you know, it just, it never worked out. And so I was really disappointed when I graduated and um, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I went to the working world and I worked for a big tech company and I hated it. Um, so I worked there for a year and then I was like, it was a very spur of the moment, but I was like, I'm gonna go be an all pair in Australia. So I did. <laughs> and I had never, never been there. I booked a one-way ticket, and um, yeah, I lived with a family, and I got to travel a lot while I was over there because I didn't really have living expenses. Um, so I got to see a lot of different places, and yeah, I don't get to travel as much now because I do have a full-time job outside of blogging, but I try.
0: Was and, was Australia the pick because of the, the accent? Was that, <laughs> that, <or> was that? <laughs>
2: Well, so actually, I wanted to—I really wanted to go to Spain or— Because I wanted to become fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole visa laws over there are a little difficult. And they don't consider a nanny, like an au pair, a full-time job, like a real job. And so you can't get sponsored. Like, you can't get an an extended visa. But then you have to be sponsored to get another one. But you usually have to be fluent. So it's kind of like, I don't know what to do. And Australia looks great. So there we go. Of course.
0: (laughs) Of course. And you got to travel to Bali and Thailand and all those places. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Rachel, you did you always have a passion for food? Was this something yeah, you loved um, cooking as a young girl? It's kind of
1: funny. Like, I grew up, my parents were always really busy, and so they didn't cook a ton for us as kids, and we were eating out a lot, but my hometown was super small, and we didn't have a lot of options. So I feel like until I moved to Austin, I didn't really discover that there's so many local great um, restaurants and places that you can go time. And so for me, out of college at UT, starting the account, I was just like encouraging myself to explore a new place every day so the posts kind of were my diary of all the places I got to try and the adventures that I went on around Austin
0: yeah and I didn't ask this but where are you guys originally you guys aren't from Austin I'm no from the funny. Woodlands area okay north Houston, of Houston yeah
2: I grew up all over Texas so all over
0: Texas Houston nice.
2: San Antonio Houston Beaumont San Antonio Austin
0: Nice. Sydney, Austin. Do you, guys, do you guys have a favorite city? <laughs>
2: Austin. Austin. Yeah, Austin okay. too.
0: Yes, that's that's the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> you passed. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um. So uh, how do you think um, having a strong online presence helps a brand? For a blogger, for a food entrepreneur, for a tech startup, how do you think the strong online presence can help them?
1: I think it's pretty much vital these days you have to have an online presence you know you should have a website as a blogger brand obviously um you know and cultivating that can help provide a platform for later selling services and products and you know I think like what I did almost with my Instagram was so unintentional but now you know having that audience it's really great and vital and it's like everyone kind of is trying to build that and wants to have that so um, a lot of brands have been really strong and you know kind of prioritizing social media and their web presence and seo from the beginning and i think those are the brands that we really see taking off and that uh, you know that was just really important and now there's a lot of brands too that are finally realizing that and starting on it. But um, it's something that needs to be prioritized all along. And I was really lucky when I worked for Favor Delivery and ran their social media marketing and influencer programs because they were prioritizing that really early. They were a very innovative company, still are. Um, and they took me in and they trusted me as one of their youngest employees to go tell the rest of the company how we were going to do our digital strategy. And so um, I think it's, it's super important for brands and for bloggers as we're also running our own brands to build that audience. I also think it kind of helps a consumer feel more connected
2: to the brand as versus just being this blank company. Um, When they have a personality and they actually show, you know, interesting things and, and connect with people on social media, I feel, you know, people are more inclined to buy with them or, you know, interact with them. And like she said, like it just... You have to have it. If you don't have a website, you you don't exist. Like yeah. I mean, like I would if I Google something and it didn't exist or there was no website, I'd be like, "This is fake." I don't, you yeah. know, like I don't know <laughs> yeah. what I would do. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, we have we have the physical world, and now we have this very powerful virtual world. Yeah, and if you're not in one of them, you don't exist. you know, right. to, like, bring like together. And I think you make a good point having the having the strong online presence. Is very important because the consumer feels this constant connection with this brand. Mm -hmm. Whenever they have a question or whenever they need inspiration, they can look them up on Instagram and say, oh, oh, this is how they made this dish or this is how this is what they're doing for the community. Um, And I think having that connection is very powerful. Um, And obviously, it's like a pipeline. So information is always going back and forth. I think that's very neat. Um, do you guys see any cool trends happening? And um, sh- you guys go out to eat very often, I imagine, <laughs> and you guys um, get to see all the cool, like, new foods and new brands that come out of Austin. But do you see any uh, cool trends happening right now with packaged foods or recipes or restaurants or diets?
2: Hmm. I think there's definitely, I mean, a huge move away from plastic. Um you know, I'm, great. I'm a big straw <laughs> yeah. girl, so that's been a change for me. Yeah. I've got some metal straws now, but, <laughs> um, so, you know, no plastic straws in restaurants. It's been, um, and I know a lot of people are criticizing, are a little bit harsher to criticize. At least I see, I see bloggers kind of criticizing companies mm-hmm. that aren't doing sustainable methods, um, too much plastic and, And all that kind of thing. And I also think there's a big push toward more local. Like people are supporting local, especially Austin. Everyone in Austin is so proud Mm -hmm. of our city, um, which I love. I love that there's that push. And so those are kind of the ones...
1: Yeah, no, I think those are great. I definitely noticed, too, that a lot of restaurants are making this movement to appreciate their staff a lot more. Um, Chefs are really getting the spotlight right now with like shows like Chef's Table and, um, you know, not even just that, but like locally, if you look at a restaurant when they're opening now, they want their chef to be a partner and owner and to be the forefront. And they're taking really great care of those people within their business because they realize like that is the lifeline. And that's, you know, the most important part is the food that we're gonna be creating and kind of making that food more artistic in that way. Brewers Table is a restaurant that opened this past year, but they're the first restaurant in Austin to give full benefits to all of their staff. Really? Wow. So that's yeah, even like the waiters and stuff, they're getting benefits, so. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. What so is Yeah, things like that. I really love seeing yeah. and yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, I've seen um, a lot of my uh, friends who are chefs in Houston. They have thousands of followers on Instagram. And I started realizing that, Being a chef now is like being a rock star.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right?
0: Is that a... It definitely can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: these people are getting notoriety and respect for what they're creating, just like other artists have for years. And it's nice to finally have that forefront on food. And I think Instagram and social media has kind of almost helped with that because now we're able to see, you know, what does the food look like before we go in? And even though it sounds silly that a, a plate should look so nicely presented, it's really kind of created this movement and made a chef almost like an artist. So yeah. I love that.
0: <laughs> um, what um, are you all seeing any like, and this might be a silly question, but are you seeing any um, new diets like the keto diet or the gluten-free diet? Is that <laughs> is that still, is all that stuff a million? I
1: feel like they're so trendy. I prefer what I think that a lot of people are starting to learn. And even with some of these kits coming out, I won't say they're all like, amazing, like Everly Well and things like that. I haven't even tried a lot of them, but I do think the sensitivities and people being more aware of what foods are causing them to have certain issues or, you know, to get headaches or to get tired throughout the day. So people being aware of their own bodies and, you know, is it gluten or is it just eating too many carbs at lunch makes me tired? Yeah. And like, am I actually getting sick or, you know, how precautionary do you need to be about certain foods you're consuming? And so I Um, I really see people just being smarter in general over now about what they're consuming. And um, I feel like, I don't know, I would love if keto was on its way out. I'm like, I feel like that's a diet. (laughs) I just think diets like that. It's like, okay, they're very specific. And I don't think they work for everyone. Mm. I think that everybody tries them when they become trendy. And then they're like, ah, they're seeing results or not. Like some of those diets can be really unhealthy for you because they cut out certain nutrients that you need.
0: Yeah, with. With um with my brand, I'm working with this media company, and they're urging me to just, like put keto on everything. And I was like, "What? What's the, what's keto?" And but it's, I, I do get to channel into this crazy like fan base of keto maniacs, which has been helpful. Um, but I have this conflict because they want me to get this certificate that's two thousand dollars just for a little stamp to put on my jar, and I'm like. It's already keto. Why do I, Why do I need to pay for? Um, anyways, so kind of to dive into the nitty gritty stuff. Now that I have two experts here on the show, I would love to get your opinion on, um, or I guess your outlook on what does a great online presence look like for y'all. Like what when you look at an an account or a brand, what does a good online presence look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to look beyond the feed. Like you can look at someone's Instagram and the thing that's happening a lot right now, I think is like the perfect filters and the perfect feed that flows together. And like, that's been something that is almost like, I feel like every bloggers kind of started to do. And Mm -hmm. um, we're starting to see that shift too away from that, where like Gen Z came out with the, there was like a study done and they said that, they no longer support the perfectly curated Instagram feed. And I kind of, I like loved it in a way because I was like, oh, I've never felt like mine was perfect either, but I was feeling that certain pressure to look and feel a certain way. So I think, you know, what matters more is kind of the authentic voice behind each post. And if you're following someone regularly, you actually start to like learn and pick up on that. And like, what kind of person is this? And what are they sharing that's a value? Like for my account in particular, I don't want to get too, too personal with my audience because I'm still trying to just mostly share like restaurant stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's also this push to like be in some of the photos and be this personality and voice. So I've kind of had to find like the right amount to share. Um, where I feel like people know me to a degree and trust me, but really they're just getting kind of their food news, and it's coming from—
0: Do you think it's, um, like, almost like building a character for the account? Like, this is the type of account— on my account, I just throw whatever the hell on there. And people are like, no, Axel, you can't put a picture of you and then this and that, whatever. But is having an account, like designing a character and just staying focused in that character? Or is there's no rules? Or what What do you think?
2: I think it. you kind of have to do it to you. Like what feels authentic for you. Um, I definitely struggle with the the making sure everything flows nicely, and I used to, I used to be worse about it and just obsess, you know, planning so it looked great. But when you really think about it, you know, the the followers that you have now, they're probably not going to look at your profile. They're probably scrolling and just want good content in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely something that I've been like trying to get over. Um, but I think it, you know, it kind of is to who you are, like. And it needs to fit your brand. So if your brand is not this perfectly polished brand, then you probably shouldn't have a perfectly polished Instagram. You know, I think it should be authentic. And I think that's the big thing right now is that people want authentic following.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's I like that you say that that, you know, be authentic to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what you should be representing. But my next question is, what do you think online consumers want to see and feel from from a good blog or a good account or a good feed?
1: I think they want something of value. I mean, Mm -hmm. whatever you're talking about, whether it be travel or food or even fashion, it's like there's a reason that these influencers have cultivated these followings. And I think fashion is a great example in the sense that. Um, Like there's certain fashion bloggers I look to that are really big now. And when I really analyzed like what they were doing and why they were so successful and able to sell so many things on like to know it and through these affiliate links, um, they were sharing just very specific content that was a value. Like one of them was a deal hunter and she found all the trendy items for a fourth of the cost of what you would buy them, you know, designer style and looked almost exactly identical. And you could see why people would want that content. Mm-hmm. Same with food. It's like, I really have to go out there and find like, what is the new place opening that is actually really good? They have great service. Everything's on point. People are gonna wanna go there. They're doing something unique and different. And those are the places that I really really want to highlight and add value for the everyday Austin diner.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you think – so it sounds like that's more important than if you buy through my Instagram, you'll save $2 on this product. It's more of like actually – I actually, the consumer actually wants to be connected with this brand.
1: Yeah, I mean, a $2 coupon code. I was talking to a PR firm earlier this week and just advising and consulting, and I was like, you know, like, $2 doesn't always move the needle for everyone. Yeah. Like, I understand why a brand wants to use that promo code as a tracking measure, but if you really want to track success, give something valuable. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe $5, maybe it's $10 that moves the needle for that product. Probably depends on the overall value of it and, you yeah. know. I don't know, but yeah, I'm like you have to make sure that the deals that you're putting out there are something that's incentivizing and mm-hmm. that people are going to want and they're going to jump on. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
0: But I think I think the underlying <laughs> message there is to, to have an authentic message that um, users can connect with.
1: Yeah, yeah, and make sure the product's something that you believe yeah. in. You know, that you would actually use in real life. That yeah. makes it authentic.
0: Yeah cuz I see I, I see accounts like the sponsored accounts or whatever that pop up and it's I click on them they have like 200 likes and I click on them and they have 50,000 followers and it's just like I don't know overpaid imagery with like you get 60% off your first month subscription it's like what this yeah it's cool to save money but that's not, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling out, this out. Like, <laughs> this isn't going to work. This is, this yeah, is and is that a,
1: su- a subscription that you have for the rest of the year that you y- forget to cancel then? Yeah, like, exactly,
0: um, exactly. You know,
1: thinking long term.
0: Um, what about logo design? Is that, like, so I focus all this time and energy on making sure my logo and my packaging is nice. Does that do, do do people now have to think, like, how is this going to look in front of the camera? And how is this logo going to look in front of uh, on someone's telephone? Is that something entrepreneurs should be focusing on?
2: I mean, probably. But I feel like a logo, like for a food packaging, if it looks good in person, it's probably going to look good in photos and online. Um, but I think that's huge. I mean, I still buy things from the logo, like I'm terrible. Of course, that's how I pick yeah. wine. That's how I do
1: everything. I'm that's like, how I oh, pick my
0: books. You it's know, under ten dollars. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I was gonna say for product goods, I think it definitely matters. My logo yeah. for my like personal brand was designed probably like four years ago and hasn't changed much. And I made it in paint. That's not bad, (laughs) but I just created, like, a font I liked and then a color, and I was like, oh, that's all it needs to be. And then when my website designer came in, he just, like, made it higher resolution, but he basically stuck with the original design that I did, so.
0: That's hilarious. I don't know. So, so I guess the logo and the packaging, as long as it looks good in real life, it'll probably translate pretty well. I uh, think so. Through the phone. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, And we might have touched on this, but do... Online consumers want to see giveaways, want to see collaborations between different brands. Is that something that's popular that you'll see that works?
2: I think so. I mean, I I do giveaways somewhat often um, with brands. I think, yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, like—
0: Do the brands like it when when you do the giveaways? They
2: are usually the ones that want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. because, you know, it usually to enter, you have to follow. And so they get followers and you get followers and that helps. Um, but a lot of times, like, you actually get something pretty cool out of it or, like, you know, and you're not forced to enter it.
1: Um, so... Yeah, I think, like, most social audiences like that, too, because it's a way that they can, you know, enter to win, and everybody wants a chance to win something cool, yeah. and I would just say, like, when brands reach out to me, I really want to think about, like, what that prize is, and if it's going to drive, you know, enough entries and be exciting, because I've had giveaways with 5,000 entries, and I've had giveaways with, like, 50. Yeah. Yeah. So, you definitely—and <laughs> when you get 50, you're Not like, oh, so dang, well, yeah. nobody wanted this thing, or, you know, it's like, ah, oh. but— I mean, yeah. I'll take
0: 50 followers— That's good for me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So again, having two experts on here, how, um, and I know we can talk about this for hours, but we don't have hours. (laughs) So how does one create a strong, authentic, growing online food presence? So out of all the brands you all have worked with, think of the food ones. And what are some key things you see uh, for like the successful food brands, and I can't think of any off the top of my head other than like Topo Chico or Wendy's. Um, (laughs) Is it important to pick a certain outlet? Is it important to test all of them out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Chameleon Cold Brew, Good Pop, um, Natamu, they're all kind of local brands that have done this really, really well. And now you see Chameleon Cold Brew has gone national Mm -hmm. and they're doing some pretty big promotions um, with influencers in New York this year. And um, they've kind of always prioritized social strategy, but in combination with a bunch of other things that they're doing events locally, they're doing, you know, obviously Facebook ads, but they're really advertising across the spectrum which I think is important in their strategy. Well,
0: yeah, so I I do think that going into multiple outlets is always a good call and then seeing which ones work best and then reallocating the money. But how, um, how, if a new brand is coming up to you guys and asking for advice, is there a specific outlet you would tell them, like, just focus on Instagram for now? Or, oh, you should just do YouTube and do recipes. Is there anything specific?
2: I think it depends on the brand. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Depends on their budget, too. I mean, really, like, if you are a newer brand and you are strapped for budget, like, thinking of creative ways to get out there, there still are low-entry ways to do, you know, a local event and invite influencers. Or, like, Mm -hmm. I do think that these events that people are starting to do and experiential marketing is so vital right now. And you can do that in correlation with involving influencers and people. So, you know, having a party, have the influencers come out, they share, they amplify, and that doesn't cost you a ton of money. And it's a great way to get you know, one, the public there to try the product, but also, you know, these influencers that you're hoping will try and fall in love with your products. That's like, I would say the first entry step before you start pouring, you know, tons of money into paying for posts or paying for ads, Um, just get it in the hands of the people that you know. Have a little
0: party and bring people in. Yeah. Yeah. And being marketers, is it a good idea to cast a wide net and see what comes in or just focus on I'm just going to talk to these food people or I'm just going to talk to these chefs or a little bit of both.
1: I think you should be intentional to a degree. So Mm -hmm. definitely, like, don't just cast a super wide net. One, because when people do start responding, like, you might not have a strategy very specific to, like, who's responding because they're going to be all over the place. Like, maybe picking food influencers up first um, and, you know, reach out to a few, like, see who responds. And then if you don't get enough responses, maybe find some other people that are similar that you think would spread the good word for you, but yeah, yeah, I would be intentional in your outreach and personalize it still. If you're reaching out to too broad of a spectrum, um, you kind of lose that personal touch and relationship that you can then create with them. Because also, if this is your first time working with influencers, like the relationship part is so important. Like brands like Good Pop and Chameleon that I mentioned really worked with us from the very beginning. They started doing influencer before influencer was really even a thing. And so, you know, it's like those are the first brands that come to mind for me. And that I still work with and support.
0: Yeah, and you're the same narrow, narrow focus.
1: Um, I yeah, probably.
2: Yeah. I do a more wide like for myself because it, like travel and and that kind of thing can reach wider. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know Rachel does mostly Austin food, and so right. that's probably yeah. a little bit more local. So if you're trying to keep the local thing, then. Stay local, yeah. um, but if it's a na- nationwide, then you yeah. want to go. Why? Again, it it just depends. There's never a black and white, right or wrong answer yeah. with social. It just kind of depends on your goals, what you're doing, and yeah.
0: Okay, and yeah, and I th- thought about that question because when I first started my brand, I was like, "Who's who's your target market? Who's your consumer? I want everybody. I want to sell <laughs> to everybody." <laughs> And then you realize, like, you start testing all these things out, and you're like, well, all my money's coming from over here. Why don't I just focus on these people? And it's, it's, a, it's funny hearing entrepreneurs and founders and people who are running companies always say, like, I want, this needs to be everywhere, worldwide. I need this to, everyone's my customer. <laughs> it's like, well, Coca-Cola took 100 years to be Coca-Cola. So maybe focus <laughs> on, on a narrow niche um, might be a good idea. But it seems like we're on the same page there. So good. (laughs) Um, Now, how should um, how consistent should people be with their social media? You said earlier that the trend is leaving like having the same filter on every photo. So um, I want to talk a little bit about consistency, being active, being engaging. Can you guys speak a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I think consistency is, you know, it doesn't mean filters necessarily. Like I think you should be posting at like a a pretty normal rate every week. Like I post almost seven times a week, like one per day. Sometimes I miss a day. So maybe like on average six, but I'm still sharing content very regularly with my audience. And you know, if I do take a break, like, Sometimes you can notice a drop in engagement. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're totally burnt out, like, take a week off, whatever. But um, I do think that being consistent with the content that you're sharing and making sure your followers know, like, I also post around the same time every day. So I post early evenings. Mm-hmm. I've seen that work really well for me. If it's a weekend, I might post in the morning just because I know people might be out yeah. and about later in yeah. the day. But, yeah. It um, is,
0: is one, once a day and I, I think I agree with you there but once a day is probably a good rule of thumb to have just so it pops up once a day on someone's phone right yeah I mean you stay
1: you know you stay on people's minds when yeah. you're on their feet every yeah. day so. have
0: you have you seen people do like four posts a day for seven uh. days straight or is that I wouldn't Crazy.
2: recommend Too that. much. Yeah.
0: People, would do you think the the users would get annoyed?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I've seen a lot of moms do that. Like some of, some of my friends' moms will just put, they'll get so excited after a family gathering. It's like twenty photos in a row <laughs> of everybody in the family. I'm like, but that's just not. I mean, just think about if you're putting out four posts a day, like the likelihood of someone seeing all four of those, and you're kind of like posting over your own content at that yeah. point. So that you know. Someone who only che- checks Instagram once a day I might only see one of those. Yeah,
0: I unfollow people who post that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 that too. There's the annoyance factor yeah, as yeah. Well. Not
0: not my aunts though. Not my aunts because they <laughs> post too much. No. <laughs> Anyways, um, and then being active, as in like, or I guess engaging. Mm-hmm. Should you be replying to comments? Should you be replying to yeah. messages? How important is that?
2: I. Replying to comments on your own photo is huge because it helps your engagement, and then with the algorithm of Instagram, it'll show it to more people. Um, so that's huge. Um, messages, probably as a brand, yeah, I get overwhelmed by direct messages sometimes, mm-hmm. and I'll have thirty sitting in there that I'm like, yeah, sorry, <laughs> well, that, that, I, I get overwhelmed. Now. Yeah,
0: but then again, you guys are you guys are actual humans doing this versus like. If, if my brand's doing it, it's it's a company doing yeah. it, right? But yeah. I would I imagine if you'd get some...
1: Yeah, I mean, customer service from a brand perspective, you should answer it, all your great. customers, yeah. right? Like, hopefully they then want to buy from you. And, and same with influencers, I think we should answer all the messages. I do the same, though. It's like sometimes you get a lot and you're You, you have to overwhelm. some, right? So. I like <laughs> and some of them are spammy, so... Yeah, and, and those some are, like, just, weird, so I just don't
0: yeah i'm sure there's a lot of weird ones <laughs>
1: if it's like an easy answer they're asking like a very specific yeah. question that's like okay here's two words and yeah it's yeah And those uh, get responded yeah, quicker if it's
2: something that's like if someone's asking me a question like that i can help with then yes i, I totally do sometimes yeah. it might be a day or two later but like if it's a weird thing i don't respond, yeah so.
0: i did want to ask what the weirdest thing has happened on a on your account, like has ever got. I'm sure. Sh- mm. I'm sure you've gotten weird messages. <laughs> I'm sure, like weird offers. Like, yeah. come to my restaurant and I'll do whatever. Yeah. Feed you or feed you all your family. Yeah. What?
2: How? How old do you
0: want to hear? Oh, just anything, anything. Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Shows. Oh, I'm
2: comfortable. I'm just like, what do you want on your <laughs> podcast? Because <laughs> I, I, like, kind of, I have good ones. Yeah, you go l- first l- then.
0: Let's keep it between PG-13 and R, yeah?
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this was like when I first started out and I was like, you know, getting new followers and I wasn't used to it and stuff. And I, I had this guy message me from another country. I don't even remember where. And he sent me a picture of calamari, and then his dick.
0: <laughs> like, oh my god!
2: <laughs> and I was like, "What? Oh my <laughs> I was gosh. so. I was, was that like, before they filtered the pictures too? <laughs> no, it was, it was filtered. So like, <laughs> okay, I could that's good. what it was gonna be, and I was like, uh, what? "What on earth? But. I— so I don't understand why dudes do that anyways, but the thing that baffled me most was, why did you send calamari first? Like, literally, it was a plate of calamari. <laughs> I have the screenshot on my phone. I <laughs> trying to throw you off. He was like, here, she like,
0: like, she'll never nap- know uh, Yeah, Jesus. Okay. have a
2: couple of those. It's been almost a year since my last one. Yeah,
0: so, good. Feeling good about good. that. Yeah, sorry about that. Knock on That's wood. not, knock on wood. There you go. Um, More choice of words. Yeah, yeah. No pun intended. Uh, She's gonna cut this part. Yeah. God, this is gonna this is gonna be the twenty minute uh, clip on Instagram. The twenty second clip. Um, okay, well, that was definitely a weird story. I, <laughs> after we're done with this, I want to hear more. Um, the content should people focus again? Let's keep in mind food brands and CPG companies. Should we be focusing on photos, recipes, videos? Definitely no, no dick pics, no calamari. <laughs> but Wouldn't d- recommend. Yeah. What, what do you think? Should we d- be doing it at all? Do videos work better? Are videos sexier?
2: I, there's this huge push for video right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like the big buzzword and everyone's watching video. But if you're not doing it well, or like if it's... Some people, I feel like it's forced. Brands, they they hear video's the new thing and they feel like they have to do video and it it just doesn't work for that brand. Um, then don't do that. You know, it's a lot of work to do a video. And so yeah. I think photos is fine. But I also think switching it up. You know, there are some consumer, you know, packaged goods that do a great job of doing like fun little like stop motion videos and, you know, recipes that do the kind of stop motion those are cool, but I think switching it up and, you know, keeping it not the same always, which, yeah. of course, we just said is consistent, <laughs> but um, I think it keeps it interesting.
0: Yeah. Do you think? Do you think having a video and a recipe is pretty engaging or maybe just a photo and a recipe or just a photo and a mm-hmm. comment? Do you think, like—
1: I think with a recipe, if you're going to do that, like— go to your website too and have that recipe live somewhere so that mm-hmm. you can share it and then people can go back to it, you know, later because I think if you're actually going to use a recipe, it's probably not going to be in the moment that you see it necessarily right. yeah. that you're going to run to H-E-B and buy all the stuff and make it. Um, so I would just have that content be something like more for a blog. But I do think that it's valuable content that you're giving to your audience. And so that can be great. Like she said, mm-hmm. video is a lot of work. So don't exhaust your resources. Right. If you have a social content creative team, like when I At favor, we had you know eight people on a content team, and so we were able to actually create a lot of great content and engaging things for our followers. But if you don't have that and you're a smaller brand, like you know, do what you can, but Mm -hmm. don't try to force video.
0: Yeah, we we can be scrappy, right? We can if we have an iPhone 10, we can film. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you can
1: film raw, and I think raw does better. On Instagram and social media, I mean, I think people don't need the most <laughs> clean-cut con- content that's edited. Yeah,
0: so you guys heard that you can't use that as an excuse anymore. Um, oh, I don't have a three thousand dollar camera. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can use your camera, and I've people keep pounding that in my head, like, dude, you have an iPhone, just pull that out. It and, and the raw, the, the raw is authentic. And people Mm -hmm. connect with that and like that and you become a little bit more vulnerable and, I don't know, people connect with that a lot better. Um, What about being clear with your message? How important is that? Because I I feel like sometimes I'm not clear enough um, or sometimes I'm too wordy. Is it important to be clear or will people see the image and understand?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you get more organized, too, with your posting and your scheduling things out, like having a clear message and getting different points across in each of your posts can be really good. It also adds more value. Like we talked about earlier, people are going to follow when there's value there. So if your message that week is about a new flavor of your product and you're incorporating that particular flavor into a recipe, then I think that's great. And then maybe the next week you're talking about, you know, a different flavor, but it's not a recipe. Now it's just, you know, talking about, I don't know, where you would take that product and where you'd have a picnic or, you know, showing it in a different setting.
0: Yeah. And I was gonna ask: Should we be short and sweet when we're posting stuff and describing things? And then I, I see your post, and you have like extensive, long things, but you also have a you also have a ton of engagement. So yeah. I, just, I
2: like to keep it shorter. I have some that I'm like, okay, I can't get everything mm-hmm. in in a short little bit. But I think if every single one is so long, like I'm not gonna read it. Like I'm not gonna read you know, if every post is super long, but if it's, you know, you have one that ends up being super long when normally it's pretty concise, I feel like people are like, oh, this must be important and are more likely to pay attention. But if it's, if I'm having to really scroll to read your entire thing, I'm probably yeah. not going to.
0: Unless it's a really good story, then. Yeah, you, you better go me quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, my, my <laughs> attention span is real short.
0: Yeah, and yeah. before before uh, posting, should we set goals, or should we like remind ourselves why we're posting? Because sometimes, you know, when I when I started my account, which isn't isn't big, but when I would post I'd, I would like finish a dish and I'd take a picture and post it and have no idea what I was doing I'd just post it and then I'd always just post food pictures but should I be I don't know if opportunistic is a word I think it is but should I like say look I should post some recipe videos because then people will do this recipe and take pictures should we have goals when when we're using social media should we just be natural and just take pictures of whatever
1: Yeah, I mean, when you can plan it out, it's obviously, I think, better overall strategy because you're going to, you know, you could come up with a campaign where use this hashtag and share your moments using this product. And um, at the end of that, you're giving away a prize or something. You don't have to do that. But I'm just saying, like, that could be a fun, engaging way to get then your followers to come back and actually, you know, feel like they're participating in something by following you.
0: Well, I mean, and then you can have you can measure those results, right?
1: Yeah,
2: Definitely. Yeah. Goal I that. think on that on that part, though, like, I, I know I do, and I'm sure Rachel does as well, get caught up in, in the likes game. And, yeah. like, how many likes you get. And so I feel like, yes, it's good to set goals, but to not be too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, whether it's a weird day or whatever, I've had photos that I'm like, this is going to kill it. It's going to be great. I love this photo. <laughs>
1: and then it's, like, got the <coughs> shittiest likes. And I'm like... <clears throat> Cool. Yeah, Yeah. likes are really bad for self-esteem, and they actually might be going away because Instagram is testing. They're saying it's, like, for mental health. They're, like, seeing Mm -hmm. a concern in people, you know, judging their content just off likes and that, you know, likes can even be inflated. They can be purchased these days. So it's really something that I think Instagram as a platform is looking at, and they're like, you know, if we can't control this and it's making – users upset then let's take it away and it's not the most important thing the content should be standing out above that in the comments and the conversations like i think Mm -hmm. those are still great to see but yeah likes are just they're arbitrary
2: (laughs) so i mean i think it's good to be like oh i hope this you know reaches this amount of people but to not like totally kill yourself over oh I didn't get this like I didn't hit this number yeah. or you know I'm under a thousand likes this photo tanked it's terrible yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't control the algorithm yeah. at the end of the yeah, day Instagram does I have some photos and I'm like this wasn't even that cool and then yeah. it's got like all these likes I'm like okay what yeah am I doing? I,
0: well, one of the things I've I've not so I have a rule of thumb which is I would like to get ten percent of my followers to like my picture and I think if ten percent of followers like your picture then it's an authentic account. Because like I said earlier, you have the accounts with 50,000 followers and they have a hundred likes per picture. I'm like, where did you <laughs> find those 50,000 followers? That's not, they're not real. Yeah. Um, but another thing, and give me some advice on this. One of the things I notice is every time I post a picture on my company's page that has me in it or people in it, way more likes, yep. way more comments, way yeah. more likes. Yeah. And I have this issue. It's like, well, I don't want to keep posting pictures of myself in this company, <laughs> but I get way more engagements. What do I do? Is Why does that happen?
2: I think it's part of, you know, having that like personal connection to something. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I was doing mm-hmm. mostly just travel photos, I was seeing amazing places and I'd post that, but then I'd post one of me and it does way better. Like me in the photo mm-hmm. um does infinitely better than just a pretty landscape
0: um is it cuz they people connect somehow I
2: think it's like the personal like connection yeah. kind of thing you can't really connect with
1: an, you know a landscape yeah it's kind of the reason that I rebranded my account about a couple of years ago just it was mostly food from the beginning and then I decided like wow oh, you know these people that are in the photos and brands were wanting that too. They want a personality. They want to see someone, you know, demonstrating their product. So just, you know, a plate of chips on its own with salsa is great. But like, what if it's a Super Bowl party and there's a big group of people yeah. enjoying those chips? Like that's more inviting. That's where I want to be.
0: Yeah. You know? But I mean, so let's say we have a brand who does potato chips, the bag of potato chips packaging's nice. Yeah, it looks good. But if it's the bag of potato chips in the middle of a Super Bowl party, people are like, "Oh, this is a damn good bag of potato yeah. chips." Right? <laughs> yeah, way more authentic. Um, sweet. How how should us brands approach you bloggers when we want when we want help or advice or collaborations? What's the best way, y'all recommend? And we know, we know not to do the calamari. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> not your best message. I think yeah. uh, email is the best way to reach out. I think like we were saying earlier with that the DMs, we get a lot please. of them. And so, yeah. yeah, it's hard. You lose track searching through DMs. If you mm-hmm. don't respond right away, it's hard to even find that message again. So use email, be professional, personalize the message. Um, people but hey, Austin, all the time in my emails. And I'm like, they obviously don't know my name yeah. or they haven't looked at my account. So yeah, yeah like personalize that. Um, Um, You know, then I think when you're, you know, introduce your product, obviously, tell them the details, tell them if you're local and you're trying to get local people like that might be a cool draw because... Like, people love to support local yeah. in Austin, so I definitely recommend that. And then I would just say um, kind of you can put some ideas out there and an ask. Don't be too specific or, like, you know, give set parameters of, like, this is exactly what we mm-hmm. want, like, yes or no, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're asking to trade, you know, a product. Be, you know, be understanding that this person is making a business out of this, so – Um, You know, consider maybe putting some budget behind it. But if you don't have budget, you can also be transparent about that and just offer to send a product for review or, you know, kind of see what they'd be willing to do.
0: Um, Yeah, because we the idea is to bring value to you guys as well. Right. So like. Don't just say, "Hey, please post my brand on your thing." It's like, no. Should <laughs> yeah. we Should we be sending you guys free samples or coming up? Like, yeah. oh, I saw this campaign. I want to do something like that. Can you help me design something?
1: That's the best introduction for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're reaching out to an influencer who might not have had your product before, I mean, obviously they need to try it before they say they're going to yeah. post it anyway. So yeah. just offer to send samples and then kind of see where it goes from there. I mean, you could encourage them to share a story, unboxing, or whatever people do that. But I. Mean, mean don't necessarily expect that like kind of let them you know experience that product and then keep the conversation going the first influencers that you reach out to should be the ones that you're trying to build relationships with more long term so you can keep working together
0: and, and would you say try to find influencers who have kind of the same audience as you do because at first I reached out to Anybody. Like influence shoe influencers, for example. And then I was like, no, maybe I should focus on like grillers or keto people or you know South Americans. Right? Should we should we focus on influencers? Yeah, who I mean, and share think about what is their
1: demographic too. So you might not know off the top of your head, but you can guess that somebody um, you know, like myself who's posting food and very specifically in Austin is gonna have the audience that lives in that city Mm -hmm. and that, you know, cares about food and restaurants and such. So looking at their content, you might be able to tell a little bit more. And I know you probably have a little bit of an international audience, but also Mm -hmm. focused on Austin, too, some. So what
0: what are the what what are some perks of working in Austin, which is such a crazy food (laughs) scene and such a tech startup hub like? What are some perks, you guys? Lots of free samples. That <laughs> <Yeah>. cool? <laughs>
1: that's cool. Yeah, yeah I lots mean, of I would say, like, especially in the past couple of years, I've noticed that a lot more bigger brands are coming into Austin, mm-hmm. and so being a blogger, that's really exciting, and just overall for our economy, like people are investing in Austin as a place to launch their product. Like a lot of Away Luggage is a great example of a brand that's really big and trendy, and I think they launched in like eight cities where they did stores and. Gwyneth Paltrow launched Goop here for a couple months and did yeah. a pop up. So, seeing really big brands like that coming in, and um, it's really cool. It's great. It provides business opportunities for us as bloggers. Yeah. Um, they're pouring money into the Austin economy and supporting. So, yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> and um, I get my, the favorite question I wanted, my favorite question I wanted to ask, um, and we touched a little bit on this earlier, but how how can obviously our brand, is on Instagram, that's, it's representing us. But how does the person behind the Instagram account manage vulnerability when they're sharing content? Like, is this picture good enough? Is this picture going to get like uh, enough likes? Is this recipe going to be good enough? How, what are some tips to manage that for, for people who are starting these brands?
2: I I mean, I just kind of developed a tough skin. Like it sucks at first. Um, I started mine on a, on my personal account and so I, like, I could see people unfollowing me because I was posting more. And, it, like, really hurt my feelings. <laughs> I used to take it so personally. And, you know, if you you get a nasty comment, you know, it does hurt. But you kind of not get used to it. But, like, you're like, all right.
1: Yeah, you have to realize it, yeah. that it doesn't define you. Right. Someone saying that, like, there are going to be people out there that are going to be critical. Trolls. And. And troll you on the internet. It doesn't define what you're doing. Like for every mean comment, there's probably 20 great ones yeah. or, or more. Probably more. But you know, generally, I mean, I like. Sometimes I'll even block people if they just are blatantly rude. It's like, okay, there's no place yeah. for hate on this account, and yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I, if I lose a follower over this, like, that's fine by me. Yeah.
0: Is it? Is it? Does it help to reread all the good comments, all the positive comments?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it does. I as much as I said I don't like getting so many DMs, but like when someone DMs me or like messages me and it's like, you know, you're whatever really helped me, like I love you know if I get an encouraging message like that, like that definitely makes me feel really good and um I like those. But I don't I don't tend to get too many mean ones. Yeah. Um but Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're few and far between. Yeah, so it, it is just, tough it, though. Like it's easier said than done being like, Oh, just brush it off. Yeah. But it's kind of what you have to do, and you yeah. know you're choosing to to put yourself out there like that, and it comes with the territory. It doesn't mean it's okay that people yeah, are yeah yeah. yeah, 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 of but
0: course.
1: um, yeah, yeah, but having a shell and being able to put up a little yeah, so,
0: guard. I, I guess because you're behind the screen, just go out there, try it, be vulnerable, just post it, see if it works. Don't be so scared. To, yeah. to not share something. Yeah. Right? Don't let
1: it define you. Like what you're sharing. You shared it for a reason. Yeah. Like you can always stand behind. It too, right. Yeah. Do you yeah, know, you can that? delete it, but I wouldn't like recommend every time someone <laughs> yeah. leaves a comment being like oh, yeah, archive, yeah. archive. Although I delete the comments. <laughs> so yeah, I, delete the comments. There you go. But yeah. You don't want fine. that
0: bad stuff on there. No. Right?
1: Yeah. Bad juju.
0: Um. <laughs> well, I think I think that's pretty much everything. I think you guys overloaded us on beautiful <laughs> information that we need. Um. And it's stuff that we don't really know how to do. This Having a great online presence has become like a full-time, very hard job. Mm-hmm. And for founders and entrepreneurs, it's like, shit. I'm, I'm piled under work, and now I have to, now everyone's telling me this is a second job. So I, th- I think the information you guys provided was very helpful. Um, do you guys have any shout-outs or anything? You want any... No,
2: follow, uh, us. Uh, <laughs> follow
0: us. Yeah, yeah, yeah please do. Please we- don't
2: send me calamari and Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no please. Yeah, um, again, we had uh, Chelsea Bancroft, One Child of an Adventure. Mm-hmm. Follow her on Instagram. Um, very cool content. And Rachel Holton, Austin foodgram, again, on Instagram. And she has kick-ass food pictures. Um, And I think that's it. Thank you all for coming. I had a wonderful time. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. Thank you, Rachel and Chelsea, for being on the show. You guys make this stuff look super easy, which is how I know how hard you guys are working. We will have links in the show notes to their social accounts, so you can follow along their adventure in food and travel. Also, Chelsea hosts a podcast called A Positive Influence, which goes even more in-depth into the world of blogging, influencers, and marketing. So make sure to give her show a listen. The Packing Taste team includes me, Axel Brave, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you everyone at Founding Media for your support. Make sure you guys have subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. Also, if you're really enjoying it, you should totally leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other folks find the show. For behind the scenes and more photos, you guys can follow us at Packing Taste Podcast. Thanks for listening.